Hey everybody, it's Balance Exchange. Uh, Cronus is here back with Papa Bear, and today we're going to talk a little bit about regulation versus deregulation, and kind of how um, again, so how I would see what would be the right way to deal with it, so that we would best um, serve society without necessarily like trying to tell people exactly how to live their lives. Hey, it's me, Rasan. I don't know, man. Huge hole in my, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Understanding. Just, My fellow Americans. Probably <laughs> here. As long as you're, whatever you're doing doesn't hurt anyone else, I don't care. Different perspective of what an interesting topic is than I would assume. This is Balance Exchange. So, um, I guess, so we normally start with our, our routine of what are you drinking? So, Cronus, what are you drinking? All right, I'm going to drink uh, Evil 3 by Heretic Brewery. So this is a really good mm. triple IPA. Um, yeah, I, I miss Planet of the Younger this year, and Evil 3 will be my special beer for the... Is your, is your, like, your backup for your, your Pliny? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they had it and it was for sale, and I was like, it's a good beer. It's a really good triple IPA. So I, I, I literally had a five-minute window to get Planet of the Younger, and I missed it. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, because you were saying, I think, on, the, on one of the last ones that, uh, yeah, yeah. Close, close window to get in and it, and it shut down. Even the server crashed or something or something? Server did crash, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm drinking, still doing the you know, the keto thing. So I'm drinking uh, this fruit cart. It's nice. not quite as low as the other ones that I had on carbs, but um, I ended up measuring after dinner and was still out of keto anyways. So I was like, well, it's not going to hurt too much to go with it today. Kind of expect to shut ketones down a little bit after Thursday nights anyways. So Yeah. That's good. I think the the way that you do keto is is reasonable. I think a lot of people they go uh, they go hard as fuck, and sometimes there's there's negative consequences to going hard as fuck all the time with keto. <laughs> I mean, I do pretty solid. Um, I think the last week or so though, I've been a little bit. So I have a lot of keto snacks, like hey, keto friendly snack, this yeah. thing, that thing, this thing, that thing, whatever. But if you have a lot of them, you probably are still going to break your numbers. <laughs> I was like, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to read what's in them. Yeah. Um, have you heard yeah. of keto crate? at all what is it keto crate mm -mm. so something i get it's kind of like loot crate but they send you like keto snacks yeah so it's i've been getting it for like well even when i'm out of ketosis they still have really good snacks so um hmm. if you want to get like if you want to expand your keto snacks and uh, other keto products definitely check them out I i've been loving them for like the longest time so like the catalina crunch cookies that you got i've i got another package of those coming yeah, um, that was from. I and I've got my magic spoon stuff for the weekend. So both of those things I heard about through Keto Crate. Yeah, <laughs> really. Yeah. Uh, so what are you reading? Like, what are you reading right now? Same I am as last or? Well, I'm reading the same series. Um, I just kind of kept it rolling. So it's the game book three called Sacrificial Pieces, and I'm more than halfway mm -hmm. done with like the third book. I think that's I'll be caught up with the series. So. Oh okay. What nice. about you? Uh, so. I'm still on the first book of Awaken Online. I was trying to remember exactly what I was going. So um, it's definitely interesting. I'm liking the the character development. It's pretty good. Um, uh, I'm not sure exactly what's going on with the game yet, which just kind of keeps you interested and in wanting to know, like, what's exactly going on? Yeah, yeah. In the the first book, it's a it's a decent book, but I think after the second one, well, actually, near the end of the first book, stuff goes insane. Um, yeah. So. How far are you in the book so far? 
Uh, he is like level 58, just jumped up. Um, yeah. Okay, so he's like super early on. So he still has like a yep. a mentor, like the, the old witch lady or whatever. Yeah, and, and like, so it's the the first full 24 hours after that, basically, right right there is where I'm about finishing up, so. Oh, man, yeah, you're, you're in for for a treat near the end of the book. I'm just, like, they, they call it's, it catharsis for a reason. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, enjoying it. So um, I'll take this moment to cut over to uh, disclaimer that's become standard here for, for the for the show, so that way we can make sure that we flow through on what it is I, I can and can't say, basically. Not necessarily what I can and can't say, but, like, how the things I do say can and can't be perceived, I guess. Yeah. So at this point in watching our videos, you may or may not know that I am an active duty United States Marine. And I've been doing this for 20 plus years, so I know that um, it's really important for me to make sure to get this out there. If it's your first time watching this, please stick around and make sure you understand the disclaimer. If you've watched a whole lot of our episodes so far, feel free to go ahead and jump ahead to the new content. Um, so what I need to talk about today is that I am not authorized and have no way of being approved to speak on behalf of the Marine Corps. So any opinion that I give or any concept that I discuss today is the position and the opinion of just me, myself, just a man who has a bachelor's degree in political science and a master's degree in leadership and organizational management and has spent my whole life looking at government structures and social contracts and how these things are supposed to work, what the philosophies and things behind them are, and read a lot of books on that kind of stuff. And it's definitely one of my personal and key passions. And so when you hear me maybe give a position or a concept on something, that is only my own position. I am not a public affairs officer for the Marine Corps. I am in no way giving what the Marine Corps' official position on anything would be. And honestly, a lot of the topics we're gonna cover here, I'm pretty sure the Marine Corps doesn't have a particular position on. Um, so if you do have any questions about what the Marine Corps' policy on certain things could be, you can definitely research that and find those out um, or leave a comment or send us a message. Uh, if you can get a hold of us somehow, we can maybe be able to answer those questions for you. So with that said, let's get you back to this week's content. Okay, welcome back. So what we're really going to talk about today, because we talked about regulation, or we've introduced it as regulation, and what I kind of wanted to say on it, uh, because it was triggered by recent events, right? So we had this very rare, but um, kind of predicted winter storm, this winter cold snap in Texas, that the infrastructure there really wasn't prepared to support. So there was significant swaths. And, and what I read was basically that every single part of Texas at some point lost power. It was just kind of a matter of how long or for how bad. Um, lots of busted water pipes too due to the, the cold snap and, and basically no requirement for those systems to be able to handle that, even though uh, what, I've, what I've read so far too was basically like once a decade or so uh, you're going to expect some kind of big cold snap like that in most of the, especially the north, um, northern parts of like Texas area. So um, that was kind of the trigger, the catalyst to us coming up with this idea for the topic. Um, but I think the way I wanted to talk about this was from sort of a libertarian point of view where I generally would hear a libertarian say you don't want the government involved in anything that they don't 100% absolutely have to be involved in, right? That's kind of the way we talked about it before. Yeah. So I have a little bit of a different flavor of it. Um, it's a bit of like, I mean, <laughs> so we talked about the, 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 the pack, right? The, the, 
non-aggression pact that we have to 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 make for being a libertarian that I obviously disagree with. Um, you wouldn't see many libertarians that are in the military also because of that, right? So if you really agree with the NAP and you think that there's no situation in which violence is is you know appropriate, then you wouldn't be in the military. So obviously I have a, a military perspective and like a, a I've seen the world and done a little bit perspective, but I still want to lean mostly towards libertarian concepts. Well, can I, I get some. Let me insert one thing real quick, though. Um, when yeah. it comes to the military and libertarians, I think that the libertarian approach to things um, takes uh, more than a cursory glance. And so I'm not surprised that there is not a lot of libertarians in the military because usually a libertarian is somebody that is a, is older, at least in like their mid-20s, you know, because it takes usually you start off as like a democrat or republican because that's what we're all taught you know as, as americans for the most part and then once you start researching into other um you know groups then you might lean towards libertarian so uh, yeah f for the most part most people that join the military are young people so yeah and that's a really good point too to say like most people wouldn't find libertarianism early because it's not something that most people's parents would have talked to them about or taught them so they would naturally be in one of these other camps and have to feel disenfranchised or feel like I'm, I'm not getting something here and start looking for it yeah. and find that, Oh, maybe that maybe this is a thing I want to get into. And, and that's sad, right? To me, that's frustrating. Like that this isn't a part of regular education and curriculum about civics and social, like about our government and about society in general, that there are other options out there so that, when you're in high school, you automatically kind of like start thinking, what what's the right fit for me? And let me go find, let me go find that thing. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so when you talk about regulation, generally most libertarians are going to say like as little as possible. Um, but I think we've talked about it a few times on here and I'll show the image right now again, um, just so that we're doing it as quickly as I can. It won't be up for long. We will also explain what it is for people that are not watching this. Yeah, yeah, we'll go through the words. I just wanted to put the picture up for those on the video. Uh, should look okay here. So, so this is they're looking at an image for those who can see it is an, an image of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? So Maslow's hierarchy of needs, going from the bottom to the top, says uh, physiological needs. So these are like the the things we would talk about that you absolutely require in order to just survive as a human being. So this is food, water, shelter, sleep. Like you can't survive an extended period of time without sleep, um, clothing, and then the ability to reproduce to continue the, you know, um, the species. Yeah, that's the word I'm looking for. Um, and then just above that is safety needs. So that's security, um, a job, you know, all, all these things that basically help you be able to actually feel safe and able to participate in society. So then everything above that is uh, love and belonging, esteem, and self-actualization. And all of those are internal or relationship and personal driven and things like that. So I'm going to pull the image back down. So the, the key thing for me is that 100% the bottom should be that we are concerned about as a society ensuring that everyone who's a member of our group has access to that bottom layer at least right yeah. that we should have some kind of support so that in the worst case scenarios um, we can help you as a part of our group with those bottom ones uh, and then the safety needs being the next level up 
is where the gray area comes in in my head, right? There's some things in it and some things that could fall into that category that we should take care of and care about each other for. And there's some things that people would probably group in there that could be on the individual to take care of. And then definitely everything above safety needs. So love and belonging, esteem, yeah. self-actualization, those are all on you to find and seek out and be an individual about. So like, so cause, cause in that category is resources in safety, right? So, so what resources, like it's a little bit too generic and I think people could start to try to clump things in there and they, we do now yeah. to say, this is the government that should be taking care of this. But a lot of times I, I'm like, I see how the government takes care of things and they probably shouldn't be doing it. So this is where, where I go towards regulation in most cases. And that's where I think this falls into that category really well is I would never want to say that Texas or the federal government should be entirely a government run program for electricity, right? Like it shouldn't be a government agency that we pay to provide electricity to everybody yeah. because they're just going to do a half-assed job of it. It's never going to be done very well. The service being provided won't be very good, especially if there's no competition. Like I would really prefer that like, like most um, services and things that there is some competition going on there. Um, I remember living in New Bern, North Carolina, and there were two power companies and it was really weird the way they did this. So that it, you would think, oh, there's two power companies in this area, which means there'd be some competition. Let me figure out which one provides the best price for the power. Yeah. But it was that this neighborhood had this power company and that neighborhood had that power company and our power would be more expensive and their power would be cheaper. And we'd be like, well, why? Like, I don't understand how, like, why is this neighborhood and literally just two streets over on different power companies with no opportunity to change between them, even though you're like, but I, I would rather be on that one because it's cheaper. It just yeah. was weird. No, that's a, that's a good point because, you know, I, I live in uh, Northern California where we basically only have one option. It's PG&E. Um, there is like the ECEE or something like that, but they still use the same transmission line. So to me, it's it's the same company. Yeah. Um, and the problem is, though, is that, you know, we have you know, the government that says they have these anti-monopoly laws uh, mm -hmm. in effect, but that's not true at all, especially when it comes to um, utilities. Uh, there's multiple places where you can live in in America where you only have you know one phone provider. You only have you know cell phone signals only reach only one company can reach a certain area <laughs> where you live. Uh, definitely same thing with your power. Um, with your water, it's it's almost always one company. When it comes to picking up your trash, it's always one company. Um, and so it, that's where it gets into like into this weird area where it's like, oh yeah, you want to have a free market, but also the the government is not doing their job to, to provide the free market. Um, mm -hmm. Because it's like, okay, you have these laws, but you're also not implementing these laws, implementing these laws for whatever reason. And that's where, that's what I don't like. It's like, I think that generally speaking, free markets are really good, but I think that people that are on kind of more left leaning, they kind of don't like the idea of the free market thing because they see these issues, but the issues that, what I'm talking about are issues that we have laws for, but they're just not being enforced. Yeah. And that's where I think, and that becomes an issue when we talk regulation too is, okay. So say, say we write a regulation that says, you know, a city is required to have more than one power company and they're required to provide this kind of uh, service and, and have these kinds of backup plans in place in order to ensure that in these kinds of disasters, because they should be region specific too. So, Hey, in California, there might need to be more of a plan for dealing with earthquakes. Yeah. And then in Texas, and in this example, a plan to deal with these cold snaps. Granted, Southern California maybe doesn't need this cold snap plan. Like most of it wouldn't. 
it's not going to happen down here. But I will say, like, if you say that's not the plan, what about my area where we do get snow and it yeah. does freeze over every once in a while? So having those regulations in place so that the system does support it would be a good plan. So then what's the organization that inspects that and verifies that it happens and then enforces it? What's the enforcement methods? Like, so that becomes a part of the issue. And I actually, you ever watch um, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver or whatever? All the time, man. All the time. Love that show. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. And I, mostly because he just is kind of, uh, for, for one, he'll handle topics that people aren't talking about. Yeah. And then um, it, he also does it. It's a very satire. Like, you know, he, he's making fun of it and having a good time with it. Uh, it reminds me of the way, like how I felt first felt about um, the Daily Show, right? Yeah, like yeah. And he's from making the, the news show. really entertaining and interesting. Yeah. Uh, granted, like because it's a bit, it got super biased against Trump for a long time. It's like, could you tell any story other than focusing on all of it? But I, I felt like that was a little overdone. But well, and and also. Uh, you know, I watch the show, all the, and I love the show, but every now and again, there's topics that I'll talk about, but I'm like, dude, you're wrong. But it's fine, you know, um, but for the, the, most of the time, I love what he's doing, and I think that what yeah. he's doing is right. But yeah, every now and again, I'm just like, mm, no. Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, agreed. So, like, he just did one on meatpacking, and that was one of the, the points he made in it was the organization that's responsible for enforcing the regulations on these meatpacking facilities is, like, 50 people. Yeah. For the whole country. Like, how how are they supposed to do this? Like, he's like, we couldn't, or I think it was, if we had a plan or developed a plan to inspect every single meatpacking facility that we're responsible for enforcing regulations on, it would take us 164 years. Yeah. Like, he's like, there's no way I could do it. It's not possible. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And so that means you have to ensure that the regulations you put in place are able to be enforced as well. Otherwise, it, it's not just a waste of time for the the legislators to come up with what these rules should be, but then it still puts people in the tough spot. And then they think that they, and then they may even think they have these things that they don't have. Well, I think the problem when he, when he talks about, you know, you know, it take 164 or whatever years and you have to have all these people to do this. It's like, not really. No, because you, you pass a regulation where it's, and you put harsh penalties on there that would drastically reduce the amount of like work you would actually have to do. Like, Okay, so if you want to break these, you know, certain guidelines or, you know, rules and regulations, then you're going to pay a hefty fine. And it's not, when I say hefty fine, I'm not talking about in a in a, a billion dollar company where you find them, you know, a couple of million dollars. No, it needs to be in the B billions. Like, <laughs> like, it, yeah, when serious, you know, there was yeah. one they talked about, it was um, one of the one of the companies got fined because they found that there were some safety issues. OSHA, I think it was OSHA. Like OSHA's like we can't even say it. Anyways, um, they they like fined this company one hundred fifty thousand dollars or something. Nothing. Like, and, and you were like you said you're talking about multi billion dollar companies. So he said it's interesting if you look at it. It was like point zero 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 five yeah percent of their annual um profits not even just actual annual like income but profits yeah. that's just that percentage of their profits so it's always like you would have to write these fines for these organizations in the percentage of total profits right yeah hey make it a even if you made it like a five percent hit that's a lot on your profits like <laughs> yeah. geez i don't even know what that number would be yeah. but no matter what your profits are that would be a number appropriate to your penalty because you did this thing that endangered your people and in in this case endangered all of your customers um, but I think also like 
one of the big ones with this particular issue for the Texas power thing was that because of the, the shortage of available power, because many of the power generation plants were in, were struggling to be able to provide enough power that there wasn't enough power for everyone that what was normally like pennies on the, on the kilowatt hour or whatever went to like $9 per kilowatt hour. Yeah. So they were, they were charging significantly more because there was less supply and still the same amount of demand. So they were just going to like, well, we'll just ramp up the price. People aren't going to like not be able to require some amount of power still. Um, And so the article I read said that basically the average house in America at the $9 per kilowatt hour or whatever would have a monthly bill of $8,000 for their electric bill. And that's like ridiculous. Like that's not unrealistic. So that would be part of the regulations is like, you're not, you can't just, just scale up to whatever. Um, Understanding that you can't necessarily stop the, the short shortfall for power, but that doesn't mean you should take advantage of the, the, the situation, I guess. Yeah, so let me um, add into that as well. It's a really good yeah. point. Uh, another point that I was thinking about is how these utility companies, there is literally zero, excuse me, I just burped, sorry. Um, hope you didn't hear that. I'm, I'm but, holding them too. Yeah, <laughs> there is zero consequence when a utility company uh, does not provide what they were supposed to guarantee you as a consumer. Yeah. And I think that that is, so... First of all, the people in Texas, they were without a utility, which is supposed to be a guaranteed thing because that's what you're paying for. And so they got none of that for a, for a long period of time, a long period, like days, some of them weeks. And then once the power did get turned back on, then they're paying absorbent fees. Like where is their, rec- like if you look at companies, they have uh, SLAs, which is service level agreements. I don't know why there is no consumer level service level agreements. Like, hey, if I'm paying you for like my internet or for my power and you don't provide those utilities, you need to pay me or at least or discount my bill because I'm not getting what is supposed to be guaranteed to me. But there is, I have not seen a single SLA for a consumer at all. You need to be a large um, or even a small business um, to get those. And I think it's wrong. I think there really needs to be like an SLA agreement. I think that would kind of mitigate a lot of these issues or some of them anyway. Yeah. And I was just trying to think. So I remember in recent years one of the service providers i had did have some kind of an agreement where anytime i was without the ability to access or something like that oh, i remember what it was it was blizzard so oh, like <laughs> nice if if i had it was, i mean shoot i feel like recently this has been years obviously it's all blizzard so entertainment if at any like point the time because world of warcraft yeah. world of warcraft servers or something were down they would immediately refund you a couple or, or extend your due date for your subscription. The number of days that they were unable to provide you with access to the service that you're paying $15 a month for or whatever it was, they would say, Oh, Hey, we were down for two days. No one was accessing everybody's date that they pay their $15 moved back by two days or whatever. So you got two days for free basically. And that's, to me, that's reasonable. I I don't know why. Absolutely. And I think they, they know that they're just maintaining a good customer service support. But but as consumers, yeah. like for these other things that we're talking about, it's just like you literally have no choice. You're bent over a barrel, and if they decide to not, you know, provide you with something that's supposed to be provided, you have no recourse to get any of that back. Like just imagine um, if you were living in Texas and you had a, a refrigerator full of food, and then the power went out. Even if it's even if it's freezing outside, it's probably it might not be cold enough in your house, especially in your refrigerator that's also um, insulated. It's going to insulate it from the cold too, from the outside cold. Yeah. Um, you just, 
all your food's gonna go bad. Well, where's the recourse for you to get that food back? You know, that's never. I think ne- so. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's just like never mind the people that died. Never mind the fact that you know you couldn't. Um, other things that you couldn't do, like you couldn't get gas or water and all those other things. Mm-hmm. It's just like all those things they add up, and it's like it, it's it's not an inconvenience. These are like life and death situations. And part of that is we've put ourselves there, right? So. Um, in the sixties, um, Johnson LBJ, right. He, he was a huge proponent in Texas of all places too. Right. So that's how he got his, his, his notoriety basically was pushing for electrical power as a requirement to everyone, to every single citizen. If you live somewhere, you need electricity because he recognized that even in the sixties, basically that this had become a thing that was a requirement. This was no longer something that was a nice to have, like it was up until that point, basically heating and cooling and like it really not even cooling. Cause air conditioning was not a big thing in the sixties, but yeah. just the ability to heat your house when the cold came and the ability to power your telephone and do the other things that, um, you know, had become so standard. And, and I think one of the big ones he pitched it on too was radios so the ability to power a radio so that public service messages can be sent out in the events of disasters, yeah. right? So that we can send a radio message out to our citizens saying, hey, there's a tornado or, uh, you know, a huge storm and everybody needs to stay inside, like to try to protect their citizens. That was a huge thing that Johnson did. And my favorite president, by the to way, think that we're still, still dealing with that today. What was that? I said my favorite president. I'm just going to put it in there again. Even though I know he wasn't always a good dude, he yeah, did a lot no. of good shit, though. <laughs> Yeah, so there's um there's a really good book called Master of the Senate, mm-hmm. um and that's and it's like a three part series, all about Lyndon Baines Johnson and how he and honestly like yeah became became one of my favorite presidents. I did not I would have never thought that he managed to do the things that he did and, and like it's so weird too because you don't learn that in school right? No one yeah. talks about LBJ. No, no. <laughs> I'm like. Yo, Why did we me, not learn more about this? Yeah, you know, people ask me, like, who's my favorite president? Especially what black people ask me, who's my favorite president? I say LBJ. And they're just like, who? I'm like, are you fucking serious? <laughs> I'm like, what is wrong with you? How do you not know? Because yeah. who was the, um, was it, there was a, is it Ross or Rose? There was another senator that was uh, very, very resistant to all the civil rights stuff. And it was basically those two battling it out in the Senate for years trying to, trying to get get some kind of and you know johnson trying to get some kind of civil rights thing passed through while the he was the senator from georgia was constantly stonewalling the ability to actually pass any civil rights mm-hmm. i can't think of what it was i want to say it was ross or rose or or something along those lines but um yeah lbj and and the power situation in texas kind of reminds me of this too and i think it's this is my picture in my head my assumption is that what johnson did and got power to citizens in Texas, it's literally the exact same power structure. Like no <laughs> yeah. one has updated the infrastructure. Yeah. It's what Johnson managed to push out to these people. And no one has bothered to make changes to it since he managed to put all that stuff through. That's like what I see in my head. Well, it's, it's everywhere. It's like, we, we do need to make the shirt infrastructure is sexy. I'm serious. Cause people, <laughs> they just so they ignore infrastructure when it's like, you need to, you need to upgrade these things over time. Like I remember, uh, a few years back where people, especially in, in New York, they're complaining about people were using uh, baby wipes to wipe their asses and it was like clogging up the, uh, the uh, sewer systems. I'm like, okay, but people are using these things. Like, why are we still using the same sewer system from like the, the early 1900s, probably the 1800s? It's like, yeah. why are we still using these same? Th- why aren't they upgraded? 
Like, seriously. And yeah, I mean, probably don't, you know, you know, use flushable wipes. But at the time, you know, it became a popular thing. Or a bidet, which I love bidets now. I'm just saying. Uh, but yeah, I mean, these are things like we're, we're dealing with this super old tech and nobody is willing to put in the money to upgrade these things because they, they think that, oh, well, it works. So, but we're looking at the quote, quote unquote, it works for a very short time period. I mean, seriously, yeah. like we've only, we've been alive for, I mean, both we're, I'm in my forties, you're getting there and I haven't seen that much infrastructure change since I was a kid. I've seen new buildings. I've seen a couple new, uh, like bridges and shit. But for the most part, like I, 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 unless a bridge is like seriously damaged, like where you can see the damage, they don't fix that shit. You know, talk about bridges, man. So like I'm from the Portland, Vancouver area. You know about the I five bridge there in the Portland area? A little bit, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. So this is a huge fight. So the I five for those who aren't from the West Coast. Um, runs completely all the way border to border along the West coast of the United States. Like it runs from Canada through Washington, Oregon, and all of California, all the way to Mexico. Right. It is huge pipeline for the entire West coast of the United States. And at no other point anywhere on that entire interstate, does it go down to two lanes except for at that freaking bridge? Yeah. Oh, I've been on that bridge and it's a, it's a really shitty bridge. It's a drawbridge. It will stop. It will lift up to let a ship go through. And the entire I-5 just stops. This huge lifeblood of the West Coast just stops. So it's ridiculous that it even still exists. And the argument has been for about at least six years, who's going to pay to upgrade this bridge? Because Washington is saying, like, we should share the costs. Hey, you know, let's get the bridge upgraded. We will pay part. Oregon pay part. Let's get this done. And federal, you pay part because it's an interstate, right? Yeah. And then Oregon is like, we don't care. Washington, you need to come across this bridge to get to Oregon. None of us are going there. Y'all live there and work here. So you're coming to Portland or going to California, you pay for it. And so it's like this whole back and forth is ridiculous. But that bridge clearly needs to be updated. Oh, yeah. It's it's gotten so bad that at most points in time, if you're at any kind of a higher traffic time frame or if, if the bridge is going to shut, it's easier to go out to the 205 around and up <laughs> across the river and back out to the north side of Portland or Washington, come back down. Than it is to try to wait for that bridge. Yeah, I'm so back in the day, my, my friend uh, had one from the Marine Corps. He was getting married when I was. We were both out of the Marine Corps, and I drove from. I was living in Irvine, Irvine, California at the time, and I drove from Irvine to just south of Tacoma, Washington, and I made it in a little like around 11 hours, which is insanely fast. I, I, yes. I was driving really fast the whole time, and Too fast. The, the only time, yeah, wait, like over 100 miles per hour, almost the whole time. The only time I hit real traffic was where you're talking about. I was just like, what the fuck? Like, why am I being like, why do I have to slow down? <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane. Like, and so to me, that seems like it should be an easy thing to agree to. Or here's what I would bet would happen is if you paid somebody to do it or or contracted a company to do it and make it a toll bridge, people would pay that toll. People would buy a subscription for it. I hate toll Puget right? Sound Shipping Company and whoever else would pay like the monthly normal subscription to just have free access to just pass through. And you would get a damn good bridge. And then as soon as it's paid for, the company stops charging a toll. Right? Well, There's contracts yes. that go that way. Okay. This is there's no problem with I'm glad you said that, but my general problem with toll bridges is it's like crack for fucking for the government. 
because they'll they will say, oh, we'll put it in its hole just to pay for this span of you know whatever, and then all of a sudden, forty five years later, you sell the toll. I'm just yeah, just like what is going? Why? Like here in uh, we're putting in more more tolls in where I live in the Bay Area. We have tolls now for the uh, um, HOV lanes, the high occupancy vehicle lanes. And I'm just like, why, why are we doing this? Why are we putting in more tolls when literally we have tolls to get across the bay? There's like literally three toll bridges yep. and now we're putting tolls in the HOV lanes. And I'm just like, can you stop nickel and diming us? It's already so expensive to live here. Stop nickel and diming us. Yeah. And it's like, the, the so the three, well, we have three main bridges here. Well, actually more than that. We have four. We have the Richmond Bridge. We have the Golden Gate Bridge. We have the San Mateo Bridge, and we have the Bay Dumbarton Bridge. Bridge, and they're all tolls, all right? But all those bridges are old as fuck, except for the Bay Bridge that just rebuilt. Other than that, all those bridges are super old. They've been paid for, and they're still making money off of it. Yeah, and to me, that's kind of the only way a toll bridge or a toll road at all works is um, either, either – well, so I could see a toll continuing to exist if the toll road contract – continues to pay for maintenance for the road right so like if you pay this larger toll for the 10 years it takes to pay for the building of the thing or whatever it is up yeah. front and then it gets reduced to a very small toll to just pay take care of maintenance but the problem i have with that is in a state like california where you're paying a freaking ridiculous amount yeah. of taxes already anyways where the hell is all that money going if you're not taking care of the roads exactly that's where it's like if if it gets to like maintain the roads already pay taxes twice to pay for roads i pay for the state taxes and local taxes to pay for roads you know so and, and if it's interstate then i'm paying for federal taxes too so it's like you you're getting you're getting the same thing three and now four times because you're forcing me to pay a toll you know it's yeah. it, it doesn't make any sense to me so so i mean and maybe this information is available and i just don't know about it but to me then what needs to be there is visibility like the the transparency on where the money goes, right? So yeah. if I'm paying this amount in taxes, where does everybody's taxes go? And show me exactly where the, the line items are that this money is going to. And if if there's like all of this stuff and then here's the where the roads are, like, oh, well, that's why. Because we need to prioritize differently. And I, I said for a while, so prior to my my like shift in my tax taxation-like theory, because I, I did for a long time have a different theory on taxation, which was that... Um, what I should see when I do my tax form is all of the things that my taxes go to. And then I choose like what percentage of my taxes go to what programs with like, maybe there's a requirement that some programs can get at least the 1% or whatever your minimum amount is. But even then I don't think that should be a thing. If I say, I don't want to pay for these programs. If not enough people pay for them, then they don't get funded and it goes away. But, uh, but now I think you just don't take my taxes in, income you take them on sales and then we would still need to figure out how i look at the numbers of okay here's the total amount that's pulled in from the government for taxes which again they could just fudge but at least it'd be published there and someone could do the math and go that doesn't make sense (laughs) but um well i mean it's it's way better than the than the pool like right now with our taxes it's a pool of money and we have no idea as taxpayers but where any of that money goes Usually when you pay for anything, you know exactly what you're getting. Even it might be hidden behind some, you know, some weird terms of service or some weird contract or whatever. But you can still, if you take the time to read it, you can read it and figure out 
where the money's going. But when you pay taxes, you literally have zero control yeah. on where the money goes unless you you vote. And even then, um, it's not, you don't really get to see like exactly where it's going to go. You're just going to say like they're going to add in additional things or pay like a couple of pennies more on your taxes for whatever. But you're right. There, there should be way more transparency to see like exactly where our tax dollars are going. And I think that a lot of these politicians and, and companies that are that are lobbying these politicians they're getting away with like rampant fraud because we don't know where this money is going like if if you look at uh we'll take the DOD because this is where like a lot of fraud waste and, fraud waste and abuse goes towards and don't get me wrong obviously I'm a US marine so is papa bear I think we need to we obviously need to have a military in the United States or right? I'm not anti-military but I am anti ripping off the American taxpayer. So when you have a program like the uh, the Lightning, that was it, the F thirty five, the Lightning two, and it, it it's a trillion dollar program, and literally if it gets wet, you have to repaint it, and it costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to repaint this fucking thing, and it went way over budget. Why don't we have a, a say in that? Like, do did first of all. Did we really need that? Not really. Second of all, why is it so? Why is the cost to maintain these things so incredibly high? Um, and it's similar things like with your local government. Like I, like I said before, I think on a couple podcasts, I've had multiple um, repavements of the 880 where I live within the span of like three years. They repave the same amount of road, and I'm like. I want to see the contract that you have with the company that's repaving these fucking roads. Because if it says that, you know, after the initial payment, that it's not a guaranteed road, and then if you if there's potholes, then you have to patch it, that's part of the price. I can't see that. I, I, I'm pretty sure that every single time they're repaving it, it's coming out of my tax dollars again and again and again. And I'm like, dude, you just did it fucking last year. <laughs> and, like, maybe instead of it being a clause where, like, they're required to pave it a certain amount of time or, like, Hey, within this period, you need to do another maintenance on it. And when you do that, this is how much you make on it. It's like, you didn't say I couldn't do it more than that. One time, two times, three times. <laughs> and I keep making extra money on it every time I do it. Like, yeah. that's not what I meant. And yeah. someone just did a bad job writing a contract. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is um, something that my my girlfriend, because she was in the project manager, management for, for a while. She's like, the government just needs project managers. And I'm like, you know what? They actually do. They need to have people that actually... Um, our project managers on some level of government to like oversee these actual contracts, read them, understand them and be like, Hey, listen, um, no, like I'm not going to give you this contract. And I understand that the vast majority of contracts to the government are like lowest bidders, but it's not really the lowest bidders. Like they're lowest bidding on the initial contract, but there's nothing in the clauses for those contracts that say that, Hey, if I fuck up this thing that I'm doing that, you know, I'm out of the contract. You know what I mean? Like, they usually come back to the same company and be like, okay, can you fix it? And I'll pay you again to fix it. But it's like, it should have been done right the first time. Like, why am I paying again? Could you imagine, like, if somebody fixed a toilet in your house? Like, if your toilet was leaking, somebody fixed a toilet in your house, a plumber, and then a week later, you had the same leak, and then it might have been worse. And then the plumber would be like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to charge you the same amount of money or more to fix the toilet again. How, how pissed would you be? I'm very <laughs> upset. Yeah. Yeah. 
you would expect that they would come back and take care of it, especially if it seemed like it was their fault that it happened. Not like, oh, maybe I just didn't quite fix the problem. Let me take a look. Yeah. Figure out that it was something else and I just didn't know it. Because you know how troubleshooting is. I mean, sometimes you can't tell, but like, oh, no, no, I caused that breaker problem. I'm not paying you for that. You come fix it then. And then get me back where I wanted you to get me in the first place. Yeah, no, it wouldn't be okay. And but but we accept that on some of our contracts. So there's a there's a concept for DoD contracting, and this is what we're we're moving away from in the SATCOM field, and, and I think in the communications field in general, because what we end up with is this issue where on a five year cycle, right? Because that's how long program acquisitions cost. If you read Kill Chain, right? Jesus so I mean, Christ, you know that yeah. this stuff takes forever. And on, you end up quick. with Hold product on. by the time you get it. Yeah, put a. Oh, maybe you're going to talk about it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, you get a point by the product that you get it that it's already no longer viable. Yeah. And you have no process through this program that you've purchased to make sure that it stays current. So um, we are shifting to a new concept away from what's called like least expensive um, viable or something like that. Um, so like as long as it meets the objectives and then is the least expensive, that's the one you go with. That's like that's like the contract you have to choose but um they're they're switching to this concept called like best value and so then what it does is it compares like okay hey it might be more expensive than the cheapest one but it gets us these extra things at a value that that someone assesses and goes that's worth that extra cost especially if that contract includes something like um you know, staying current with the technology in some of these aspects, which is a big part of one of the things we're pushing with, which is like, hey, when I write this contract now, I want when it's fielded to be the modem that year, not the modem from two years ago or three years ago, or the router from two years ago or three years ago. No, it needs to be whatever the current router is when you field the system. So it's stuff like that that ends up generally ending up a more expensive contract than someone who's going to buy routers from five years ago. And it's got one year left on the on the like supportability contract and so then it's cheaper and yeah it meets the objective so then we can but we have to pick that one but if we do this best value someone will go well no look these are going to last this much longer and they have supportability through their contract that's why it's more expensive but really that gets us the best value overall Um, then we can spend that extra money so it might be more expensive when you see the line item than it was two years ago but then when you look at it over a five-year period it's actually a better value yeah no that's that's good. That's that's a good kind of first step into the right direction. Yeah, yeah, small victory. So, man, I remember when I was a, a contractor in Iraq, and I was installing a whole bunch of storage area networks, and they would have Connex boxes full of equipment. I'm just like, all this shit is old. Like, what are you guys doing? And, and uh, I remember, like, this is like a perfect example of like when you when you have a bunch of money and you buy a bunch of shit, but you don't think about it on the on the other end. All right, so I don't know what part of the government was probably, I think it was the U.S. Army or the, it was the Army. They had a Connex box full of fucking servers, of Dell servers, full of them. All right, and so, but they were bought like years before. They were still, you know, current. They could still, you know, do, you know, a a decent workload. But when I was installing them, because I was installing them to hook up to my, to my SAN, and I was like, all these BIOS batteries are dead. Like, every single one that I'm pulling out, the BIOS batteries are dead. Because what they did was they, some dumbass, they bought these, uh, <laughs> they bought all these servers, and they put them in a Connex box with no AC, yeah. and so they all overheated, um, and then all the batteries for the BIOS batteries lost their charge. 
And so what happens? They had to fucking spend thousands, hundred thousands of dollars on new BIOS, ba- new BIOS batteries. And yeah, BIOS batteries, like an uh, individual one, doesn't cost that much money. But when you have to buy like thousands of them, that shit adds up. And then ship them to Iraq, that shit adds up. And then it also compounds when you're pushing back, you know, mission objectives. Like when you're trying to like install a new, you know, network and a new environment, they're like, I don't have any fucking BIOS batteries. They're all dead. Like, think about the that that's when it gets into the millions of dollars because you're literally pushing back missions because yeah. of a fucking a, a 35 cent part well and thinking about it this way too you were there with the sole purpose of building that right oh yeah and i was not cheap <laughs> so how many days could you not even work yeah until those batteries got there yeah you, you didn't stop getting paid no 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 <laughs> luckily so, i mean i figured out this shit to do but it's just like yeah what you're saying is it's totally true. And like another one was uh I installed like all this equipment in like I installed like eight sands on like one like deployable box. And I remember I, I, I was like, oh this is good, but they had no power. They had no AC, so and it was in the fucking summer in Iraq. I literally drank eight liters of water in a day yeah. and I didn't piss once. Alright, that's how hot and I and I worked only at night because it was so hot because it was hundred degrees at night. Yeah. <laughs> Everything was installed. I'm like, all right, good. Um, there's no power, so I can't like you know do the the software or anything because there's no power. But somebody else will do it after I'm done. Literally a year later, I can I come back to Iraq on like a year contract. I had to come back to the same spot because the Connex box that or the the deployable unit that I put it in, they didn't rate the floor for the weight that I installed. And so like a, two weeks after I left, all the fucking racks fell through the floor. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Was this actually like a basically like a ten foot or a twenty foot shipping container type, type foot, building yeah. thing? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was lucky with the way I got to build my like facility for all of our com equipment because we were just in a tent on the ground. You know, you show up, put up a tent, put stuff in it. But um, we convinced the CBs because they had built built our COC space. They built all of our like working spaces. Well, hold on, and I was real, like, real quick, keep a pin in that. Please explain what the CBs are. So CBs are Marine, or sorry, our Navy construction battalions. So they, they literally just build stuff. They bring wood and they're basically carpenters um, with, I mean, in, in that aspect, that's, that's what they were being used for right then. They do all kinds of other really cool jobs. Um, Like sidebar story was I had to go to this site as like quartering party. So it's, you might have like an advanced party, which is like the first bigger group that comes out and can get some mission objectives done. Quartering party is the very first people who go out literally just worried about like find a place and figure out where we're going to put tents up to, <laughs> so that the main, the, the advanced party can show up and have a place to start working. Um, so there's, there's like no barbers, no water, no nothing in any of this stuff. Like, so we went out and we're there for about two or three weeks before anybody else showed up. And so like I was shaving, but I didn't have a way to get a haircut. So then when, <laughs> So then when the advance party finally comes out and like one of the dudes had a set of clippers or some other stuff and my major comes, he's like, are you going to get a, we're going to get a haircut there, uh, there Corman, you know, like <laughs> basically probably like a Navy Corman, yeah. which is one of our like Navy counterparts don't have the same haircuts. So, um, I was like, first off, I was out here three weeks by myself. Cause you freaking sent me out here. So don't even start with me. <laughs> second, Second, if I was going to be in the Navy, I'd be a freaking CB. So you can call me BB-1 <laughs> if you really want to. <laughs> wait, so, wait uh, were you a uh, warrant officer at the time? No, I was a staff sergeant. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but I was a tech controller. Yeah. Okay. So still had an attitude. 
but um yeah so like i got to hang out with these cbs because they were they were also like super early out there there was there was only two units other than the marine corps like communications detachment out there to like set up the comm first comms on the site so this whole headquarters could come in on it and that was the like an army construction unit that was pushing out this berm for security stations and then the navy cbs there like putting up buildings um, so I got to design in Visio because I did a lot of that for my work anyways, um, exactly what I wanted my, my shelter and facility to look like. So I got to have them design basic, basic wood structure, but I was like, no, I need to have a two layer floor. It needs to have a drop floor. I need troughs here. I need troughs there. I need a hot side. I need a cold side. Like I was telling them exactly how I want all this stuff built. So they, they built exactly what I asked for. And we had it set up too. So that, um, those, those in-floor troughs ran to a double door set that ran outside to an extra generator that was right there. So if we lost our primary generator power, yeah, we could run that. outside, grab those cables, run them inside to the main, the secondary power connector, fire up that generator and be back up inside within like five minutes while we figured out what the other power was. So like all of this stuff, I got to like design myself and have them build. So that was nice. <laughs> I got pretty lucky there. Yeah. And these are all things like we're going to get back to regulation. These are things that should be like regulated. Like where will you have certain, um, requirements that things need to be regulated like hey you need to have like x amount of uptime for shit you know um for me like i come from like a post marine corps like the um disaster recovery business continuity side and so if you don't regulate or have like an actual plan on like what happens when shit goes down then you're gonna have a problem um Mm -hmm. uh if you look at uh, i'll take a a, one of the most extreme examples that i can give is uh 9-11 if you look at the statistic from from 9-11 all the companies that were in the uh, the Twin Towers, the ones that did not have a business continuity or disaster recovery plan, I think it was something like 80% of them are no longer around. Be- and because they had no like real business standard, which you can call a regulation, they had no real business standard on how to keep their company up and running if one site went out. And I see it all the time in the on the civilian side. Like People are just like, my, my data is so important, but I have no backup or I don't replicate and I don't have a business continuity plan. I'm like, well, that's not that important. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> and I guess, so like, that's some of the argument there though, too, for why these kinds of things that are this critical should be open to commercial competition and things like that, because that's how you're going to get the best uh, service, right? Is through, a customer paying for this service and the company being required to provide a service and knowing that the only way I continue to get paid is to provide a service that's reliable and like high quality and all these other things, which means then I need to build infrastructure and support for my service I'm providing that, that makes sure and guarantees that I continue to get paid, especially if you're, you know, doing what like we talked about with blizzard where, Hey, if, if I tell you, you're going to have guaranteed good power and all this other stuff, and you're without three days, I have to give you three days for free yeah. because I didn't give you power for those three days. Um, if they're doing that because you've pushed it out of government control and government regulation, all these other things and said, hey, free market, just do it. Uh, but, but but like I said, in some of these cases, especially like utilities, there's, there's water pipes that have to go into the ground. There's power lines that have to get installed. And, and the reality too is like, so imagine in my neighborhood, if there were three power companies, all capable of providing power to this house with competition. Well, that means there's three different sets of lines coming to my house. I might only be using one of them. And, and they're running out to sets of lines. And how many of those lines go 
like, do you want all that construction in your neighborhood? Like, I, I don't know if I do. Well, yeah, that's, I mean, that is one side of it, but I mean, I mean, you already said the other side. I, I think what, what the blizzard thing is, um, the reason why blizzard did that is because they have free market or because they have, they have to compete with other people. And I think that's why they were like, Hey, we're, we're going to guarantee we're going to be better than our competition. Yes, I think that when it comes to power lines, but maybe that gets into um, this is an errant thought. All right, transmission lines. I think to um, just regular civilian people, like regular residencies. I think that those transmission lines should be owned by the government, and I think that when you come to when it comes to power generation, that should come from private companies, and, and that should be a free market. Um, and I think that I think we we might be better served on this. You can might have a different take on this, but I think that at least guarantees that we have at least power lines that are guaranteed to get to a certain place um, so they can get power. And then when it comes to like actually who generates the power that can be fought over. But just getting the shit to the people, I think is very because we, we do it now with, um, with like water lines and like sewer lines. You know, th those are things that are done through the city. And I don't know why those why we can't extend those same things to um, power lines and even like, in, you know, Internet fucking connectivity. Like, why? Why don't we, why can't we just do that? But this is when you get libertarian things. So tell me your thoughts, please. Well, no, I think so then at some point that's where we, this conversation will get there. And I think we may pause it and come back to it, put a pin in it kind of thing. Sure. Um, Cause we talked about that with electricity in the sixties and we say, this is now a requirement. Everyone has to have it because of these X, Y, Z things that now push internet in Maslow's hierarchy, right. From being this cool, like maybe a resource that could be in the gray area that pushes up to being like a critical resource that is absolutely fixed in this space. And we really need to be discussing it as a requirement in tier two area of Maslow's hierarchy, not like a gray area could be just for, you know, a nice to have. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, has the internet because there's arguments about it. And as we sit here recording a podcast over the internet and sharing it with people over the internet, I continue to think more and more that, um, you know, all the public safety stuff, like I don't have TV here. I'm not listening to a radio. What I have is the internet. That's what's on my phone. And so some kind of access to the internet is how I'm going to get like warning messages, how I'm going to get public service announcements, how I'm going to get, you know, the news and how I check the news that's going on in Texas. That's, that's how we get it. So that same argument for, the electricity in order to power a radio so that we can receive these public service safety announcements is the same argument we have now for the internet. Like, Hey, everybody needs to have some level of access to it. Yeah. Um, so that's when, that's when that becomes a, a required infrastructure project. And I think you're not far off there with it, but what I would like to see too, is maybe it's a mandate and a regulation. Like this is a thing that has to exist and it has to exist with this level of quality being provided and then allowing that to go out to commercial businesses to to put in the best that they can for however much that local area can afford or needs to have installed. Um, so there still would be like private agencies building it um, through government contracting. So it's rather than like being a government agency that builds the power lines, uh, it's the government that pays for the power lines. Someone else builds them um, to a specific regulation yeah. or specific like set of specifications. Because as soon as we let them just own it. Um, it'll get really bad. 
Well, yeah, because that, that gets into some of the... Well, we obviously, we talked about a lot of the ways that government has had missteps with, like, just basic shit. Um, but I think they should be able to guarantee certain services and have, like, repercussions where if you don't get these services... It's obviously, we're talking about regulation, but... Um, yeah, maybe not the government, I guess, owning it, but at least guaranteeing it. You know, I, I guess that would be a better way of of doing that. So yeah. yeah, and that's and that's yeah. I think I think now now that's the same. Then we're saying the same thing. Where yeah, it needs to exist, but someone has to say that, right? And I think that's that's the case, and because then it keeps us from getting to the point where it's a competitive thing, where I have fifteen sets of power lines running to my house because everybody wants to maybe take my money. And I got to pick from amongst those and look at all these fifteen lines coming to my house, and I don't want that. Yeah, um, but just guarantee the transmission lines and and yeah. um, also deal with the. So this is California. It's not California specific, but a lot of regions in the nation of like guaranteeing that these transmission lines are free from debris and trees and brush and all this other shit. You know, if you need to make it all underground, then make a regulation that they're all underground or whatever. But. I mean, right now, especially in parts of California where we have these transmission lines that are um, going through, like, f- forests and stuff, and then they're not doing, like PG&E, they're, they're not doing their job of, like, cutting back, you know, these certain brushes and, and trees, and then all of a sudden you have a tree branch that falls on a transmission line, and then you have a fire. And that's why we have, like, a lot of, like, if you look at, like, the past 10 years in California, a lot of these forest fires that we've had, like these wildfires are, have been started by transmission lines failing and, and transformers failing because of, you know, they're hitting brush or whatever. I know that, um, for the like year and a half that I was in Quantico, Virginia, every single power outage we had on base was caused by wind and a yeah. loose branch knocking down some kind of power line. It, and it was literally just like branch online breaks the line. Done. I'm like, if you know, this is going to keep happening. Why aren't, they Why aren't they cleared back far enough away from the freaking or, lines? Or just put them underground. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, like, and I'm a huge proponent for underground. Yeah. Like that solves so many problems, but I get too that it's super expensive. Um, I mean, you know, the whole ex- it's expensive thing. What's more expensive? Okay, look yeah. at all the, especially in Northern California, all the wildfires that we've had. They've cost trillions of dollars. Yeah, if, yeah. If you're gonna, if somebody's gonna tell me it's gonna cost trillions of dollars to make the lines underground. I would say it's still worth it. <laughs> like it's still worth it. And I, I would put money on this. I obviously don't have a study sitting in front of me about it, but if you put the like cost of initial install for underground cables that pretty much always work against like cost of install and then constant maintenance of these ones that keep breaking, eventually these two are going to pass and it's going to cost you more yeah. to keep maintaining these lines that get knocked down by the wind and knocked down by a tree and knocked down by a driver running down the road and running into a pole and taking out the entire power line, yep. which couldn't happen if it was underground. Yeah. So, but I see them when I like drive down the highway here in the middle of the desert and there's all these telephone poles along the line. And I'm like, I bet that was way cheaper than digging all of this highway line like all the way i was like oh god i could imagine how hard that would be but i mean but it's also i mean just think about when they first set up electricity like putting on all that stuff that was expensive too so i mean like but it doesn't even necessarily have to be underground to be more reliable in this like long highway stretch like i'm talking about like it would literally be just lay the cable on the ground and put a freaking box over the top of it that <laughs> yeah. whole length, like a, a little steel box you could dig a one foot hole 
all the way down, which would not take much, and lay that cable in and throw it on and be call it good. Just stick some flags on it. Oh, this is this is. I'm, I'm gonna call on Elon Musk because he's super into making like the the tunnels, you know, for yeah. to, to get rid of uh, the boring. Yeah, the boring company. So just like listen, Elon, if you're gonna make the boring company and have these boring ass tunnels, put some boring ass electrical lines in there too. Like, <laughs> let's let's do it. I guarantee they're gonna have electrical anyway. So yeah, well they're, they're gonna yeah they're gonna have to, especially because they have to have um, ventilation um, sucking out of there and like other things. So and lights yeah. and all that stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Did you see like talk of them having the screens set up inside too, so that they'd be timed along with the passing of you and the window so that you could watch something. <laughs> no, I didn't hear about that. That's dope though. This the yeah. So one. like there'd be screens at like the right intervals so that as your window passes, you're passing to the next screen at the next frame. Cause you're going so fast Yeah. that you'd be able to watch all these screens that would be playing the right frame in succession. As you move down the tube and you'd be watching a video like in the, on the tube. Outside. Elon, Elon is from the future, man. You know, you know what's hilarious? This is what most people don't even realize. This is a slight segue. Most people don't realize that Elon Musk was not the fucking founder of Tesla. And, like, they have no idea. They're just like, oh, yeah, he built all this. No, no, the fuck he didn't. I remember, te- for me, Tesla started with, it was a it was an electric um, Lotus car. Because mm-hmm. I remember seeing them here in Northern California. So that's that's where they started. And they, they bought out another... Um, power it was another battery like they made like kind of a shitty electric car but they were making uh, nickel cadmium cars and then the the two guys i forget their names but they were like why don't you just make them lithium ion <laughs> and so they started making lithium ion cars the 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 tesla model uh the tesla roadster was the first one and so they had this whole business model like we're going to make the roadster that's kind of expensive and then from there we're going to make an a sort of expensive um sedan then a pretty much very expensive uh suv and then and then recoup all those costs to make a cheaper car and so they're going down the same lines but everybody thinks that elon was like the dude that started all elon musk he obviously took a lot of credit but he he was a venture capitalist that invested into tesla so he didn't have the original idea he was a rocket guy when he's done that with a lot of things too so even boring company was like a Hey, I'm gonna get access to these other things, and then have them start doing this other project. Yeah. I, I still think that every single decision he's made after PayPal was specific, and PayPal was just to generate funds, right? Yeah, yeah. Was to to set up the colony on Mars. Like every single decision is about that. So yeah, like Tesla is about having um, cars on a planet that don't have dinosaurs, so that you can't pull fossil fuels from the ground and make oil, right? So how do we make cars that work there? They run on electricity that we can use solar panels and pull electricity and charge our little cars that drive us around on Mars. How do we get to Mars? We make a rocket ship company, make yeah. sure that they can take us there. How do we make sure that we can survive on Mars? We dig freaking holes and build stuff underground. So yeah. I mean, like all of it is all a part of his plan to like make sure we're set up on Mars. So. I hope that he can eventually go there um, when it's safe to go there. It, it's it's amazing to me. Like I've been thinking about, you know, <clears throat> battery technology lately. Yeah. Um, I think that we need another generation of battery technology because right now, um, even with lithium-ion batteries, they they have a a shelf life that is not that long. But yeah. if you take whatever the equivalent amount of, uh, say, if I took ten pounds of gasoline, 
and then I took 10 pounds of uh, lithium ion, like what has the the most energy potential? It's not the gasoline. It's the lithium ion because I can keep recharging it. And I think that's what most of these people that have the, the half daughters, when they, they talk about, oh, well, you have these electric cars and electric things, but they, they're powered by, you know, coal or whatever or by whatever. But that, that's not the end goal, obviously. When you consume that gasoline or coal or whatever, that energy potential is gone. But the lithium-ion battery, like, it lasts way longer. And we, if you want to talk about, like, actual, if the apocalypse came, um, and people think about this kind of short-sighted, if you can Google it, Google it right now, the shelf life of the average gasoline, it, it's not even a year. It's like, I think it's like three to six months. <laughs> That's how long gas is viable for, and then it starts degrading. But if you look up lithium-ion batteries, um, the shelf life is, I think it's like... Uh, was it three to ten years? Which is like way... Fuck, and you can recharge it. So however you get the power from, you can recharge it. So, I mean, that's... It's the future. Yeah. And I mean, that's... So what I was trying to look up was... Um, like, so the, the concern for lithium should be the same as we have for fossil fuels, though, where, like, how much lithium is there even available on the planet so that we can continue to pull lithium out of the earth yeah. and make these batteries? Because does it have any greater long-term longevity and supportability than fossil fuels knowing that like you said we, we we should be able to make it so that the lithium is able to support power more because it can continue to be recharged and used for a longer period of time than any amount that we're pulling from the earth of fossil fuels i'm just i was trying to i i can't find a good answer um well also I, 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 like how much longer is it going to last yeah well i also think that i don't know if that lithium ion is is the be all end all that's just the the current technology i think that we've been kind of so lithium ion technology has lasted for a long time all right but the yeah. problem is um that most people don't realize that the only reason why it's viable right now is because the, the cost has came down like so dramatically so i think that if we find a new tech a new battery technology that that can hold a charge or even um hold more power than lithium ion per pound um, i think that'll be the way to go and so i hope that people don't think that lithium ion is like the way to go for like forever because it's not neither is obviously oil and, and, and gasoline and stuff so we need to keep pushing forward to find things that are better energy efficient um because we are we get constant sun rays <laughs> but it's just wasted energy yep it's it's totally wasted so talk about lithium-ion batteries and sun rays really great segue to the next part of this which is that i think the the real the right move at this point almost isn't to ensure that power infrastructure regulations, which are going to go into place in Texas probably this year because of this stuff that's happening, should be done in a way that is like Johnson's 1960s power, right? He shouldn't be, they shouldn't be writing regulations that say, um, like, hey, you, you coal power plant and you, like, uh, natural gas power plant have to guarantee a certain amount of service and and this level of customer service and like even just cost benefit stuff like they need to have stuff that encourages individual homes to provide their own power and have their own storage because you mentioned like what if i lived in texas like what if you lived in texas and and your power was to go out for like three days and you have food in your fridge right that was the exact yeah. scenario you made. i wouldn't care i have solar panels i have a freaking tesla a power wall in my garage like i'm fine 
So during the day, the solar panels are going to keep my fridge turned on. During the night, my power wall is going to keep it turned on until the thing comes on the next day. My hold, food's fine. All right, hold on. So I already know somebody's listening to this. If they made it this far, all right, and they're like, well, and with solar panels, what if you have a winter or whatever? Okay, so this is, I already have your scenario, all right? The, the problem, I think, with most of America and actually the world, the problem isn't um, energy per se. The problem is energy storage. And that's where I'm getting into battery, like battery technology. We need to have a better way to actually store power. Because, yeah, you're right. In Texas right now, it, it's actually, it's not that bad because obviously some was shining days later. They would have been able to, if they had uh, battery backups to to, jet, to store power. Um, if you didn't know this, if you're, a, if you're looking into solar panels, if you have only solar panels and your grid goes down, your power is going to go out no matter what. It's guaranteed. And it's for safety reasons. It's very valid. Because if you start pumping um, power back into the grid when somebody's trying to fix a power outage, you're going to fucking kill somebody. Regulation. Holy shit, we're going back to that. Anyway, um, but if you had a battery backup, it cuts you off from the whole grid and you keep the battery stored in your own uh, home or your facility or whatever. Uh, but the problem that we have right now it, on the, the entire planet is we have very few ways to actually store um, vast amounts of power. And that's yeah. the problem. Like, if you look at, I don't, maybe you can Google it, man, but if you look at how much power is thrown at our planet daily, it's way more than enough to, like, power every single home yeah. on the planet. But we have no way to store it, and that's the problem. And that's and that's where I think if, if we're going to start writing new, right, like places that don't have a significant amount, like Texas, because there's actually very, very little power regulation, and that's part of the issue they faced was yeah. they're very... They're, and, and again, it's a, a part of Texas culture and, and good on them, you know, because I'm libertarian. I'm saying, hey, good for you. Like, you've managed to, over this amount of time, continue to say, like, just stay out of it, government. It, I, the article, One of the articles I was reading talked about how, this, do you know about the Texas state legislature? No. Not so in Texas, the state legislature only meets every two years <laughs> for 140 days. Holy shit. That's it. Wow. They meet every two years. And for that in that period they're there for 140 days and that is it and that period is about to end so they need to like make some decisions on this stuff now yeah they really need to um we need to take a small break <laughs> yeah of these uh cucumber limes and i got uh oh, the lemonade the strawberry one. Oh, hold on a second i can't see you hold on oh see me now it's me i was looking at something else okay what is it ah yeah yeah, yeah. dude <laughs> the uh the strawberry tea truly one is awful is it really? <laughs> I haven't had the, I haven't had the tea ones yet. <laughs> All of the rest of the teas are okay. The strawberry one, I'm like strawberry and tea, like together. It's like, yeah, it's it's like you're eating a strawberry with the leaves on it. Oh Jesus! Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't go together. It's not right. Holy shit! Are you gonna build a 911 Lego? 
You see us? Yeah. I moved it over. That's pretty cool. It came in the other day. Um, it's technically for Logan. <laughs> but you gotta but do it. I told him he has to build it with me. Oh, okay. Nice. Are, are you a Porsche so, guy? He is. He is? Tell, yeah. So tell Logan that one of my dream builds is I want to build a Porsche 914 with a WRX motor in it because there's swap kits. Because <laughs> you can so get we, 300 horsepower. Like What's up? It seems like going backwards. Like, wouldn't you want to put the Porsche engine in the WRX? No, <laughs> no, because if you put a WRX motor, so it's 300 horsepower. Like, Porsche 914 is like, it's not it's not a 911. They're like the cheaper versions yeah. of Porsches. It's the non, yeah. But it's like 2,000 pounds with 300 horsepower. <laughs> yeah. It's a rocket. Yeah, yeah. It'd be amazing. So, yeah, his, his love for Porsche, um, the weekend before he left for college. Um, no, no, no. It was the weekend before he was supposed to go back because it was during Christmas break. We went down to the Porsche dealership in uh, Palm Springs because he just wanted to go look at cars. Um, so I was looking at the electric, like the full electric. The Taycan? Porsche was like, yeah. <laughs> so we're looking around, just looking at everything. He's like, can I test drive one? I was like, no. He's like, yeah, I probably shouldn't even bother asking. I was like, I mean, you can't know unless you ask. So we asked. And the guy was like, yeah, right now with COVID the way it is, like we're really not supposed to do them. So sorry. It's like, okay. He's like, you know what? Actually, let me ask my GM real quick. So he goes, ask the manager. Manager said, yeah, sure. And we filled out the little the waiver, you know, yeah. liability form or whatever. And got to go drive around a freaking, I think it was a 912. Yeah. Freaking cruising. And uh, he's like, you drive. I'm going to drive this. <laughs> and then drove it around a little, had some fun with it. Pulled into like a little, very like small neighborhood or whatever. I was like, get out. Get over here and drive. <laughs> so he got to, he got to drive it just like through a neighborhood, just just to feel it. Nothing, nothing high speed or anything, but yeah. yeah. It was nice. Inside's all like red leather. It was, it was nice. I think eventually one of my cars is going to be a Porsche. I, my, my fun car, which I haven't driven in like over a year, I, I have a, a BMW M Roadster from like 2000. Mm -hmm. So it's like, a, it's a really fun car. It's just, I, I have a four-year-old and COVID. So I drive around in, a, in an SUV right now. A ridiculous SUV, but it's an SUV. Yeah. Yeah, I got my I got my Genesis. And oh, the nice! Wait, which one? Twenty sixteen. So it's like the 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 Genesis that Hyundai put out. What the, and then it was. Well, which one? The the G eighty, G seventy, G ninety. I'm very aware. Of so the, in twenty sixteen and twenty fifteen, they oh, didn't. Oh, it was have, before that. Okay, it was just so it was just a sedan then. Just the the yes, okay. the Genesis. They're still great cars though. Yeah, it's still <laughs> very nice. Like, yeah. So for a twenty sixteen to have. Uh, you know, automatic cruise control, lane keep assist, side blind spot monitoring, rear rear view cams, heated and cooled seats. Like a lot of cars today have heated seats. It's got cooled seats too, which is really great for here in the desert. Yeah, that was a. Uh, so I drive a uh, an Infinity FX fifty S, and it's a two two thousand and nine, and it has heated and cooled seats. It has uh, all the way around. Uh, like camera system from like top down in 2009 and it also could have the i didn't get it because i didn't like the the way that it felt is the uh lane keep assist and the uh, automatic cruise control and it also has like collision detection so it would slow down 
the reason why I didn't get it on my car is because my, my buddy had the he has an Infinity as well, and he had the same he had the advanced like system, but it was so intrusive like w- the way I would normally drive it. I don't drive on somebody's ass all the time, like hardly ever because I'm older. But it was so intrusive like when they got anywhere near close to me, the car would automatically slow down, and it was so fucking annoying. So I got the one without. But yeah, my my car is like 390 horsepower with the, an SUV from 2009. It's it's fucking insane. It's a nice V eight. <laughs> I don't even know what the horsepower on this Genesis is, but it it gets up. It's pretty nice. Yeah, they're they're great. I almost actually bought uh, what was it? It was a, I was gonna buy a Genesis GV eighty or not GV eighty a G eighty. The GV eighty is the SUV. Yeah, it's definitely nice. I just you know we got it. That was the first car we got because we got back here. We had the CRV. We needed a second car, picked out a new one that was going to be mine to like drive. So it had to have the features I wanted. Mm-hmm. And we waited to pick out a second car until we knew that, that Cindy had a job. And uh, then we got the Honda CRV. And now I'm like, I want a truck though. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get a truck? So like, I really wish I had just got a truck. But... Oh, yeah. I really wanted a, uh, a Raptor for a long time, but they're very wide. There's... <laughs> there's one there's one for sale at the like the yucca valley ford gmc like the, the car dealership the big one it's on the road driving past and my wife's like oh hey we should figure out how much it is so we looked it up it's They're like fifty eight thousand dollars. like yeah. holy crap and it's like a 2016 I'm like yeah no nah. no they, they hold their value like a motherfucker so my friend um he was actually a one officer too um shit what was his name child's he actually lives near you. Uh, he retired. Yeah. Did Did you know him? Was he a tech controller? And then yeah. was yeah. Yeah. Dirty. Yeah. Dirty. Yeah. Dirty Earl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's got a Raptor. <laughs> Let's see if he'll sell it. He's not going to sell it. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. yeah. Earl, Earl was a good. He was one of the people that I I consider good Marines. He was a good dude. <laughs> yeah. Dirty, dirty is what you would expect a marine to force her to be. <laughs> yeah, him and uh, Jesus Christ. So if you knew Earl, did you know? Well, actually, you know, we'll talk about it some other time. We're doing a fucking podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah. Let, let's get back. To about it. So, um, okay. So there's a really good video that um, I watched that talks about California's, specifically California, where we both are right now. California's renewable energy problem. Um, it's a channel called Real Engineering. Mm-hmm. Uh, they actually have some really, really cool stuff that I like to watch. Um, I watched this was like months ago. I saw this video and was like, holy crap, this is a really good point. And I'm kind of wanting to address it while we're here talking about this on regulation and power and, and all the stuff that I think this is really where these regulations need to go, which is let's focus. If we're going to fix these problems that we see with the system, instead of fixing the problem we have now, let's fix towards the problem that we we know we should be solving in the future anyways. Yeah. Like, let's just write those rules. So the, it talks about, so like the way California's power work, the primary power plants support basically like 80, 90% of the power, like all the time, but during surge, they can't support it. Yeah. So there's, there's two or three natural gas power plants, which the natural gas power plants are the best at being able to spin up fast, produce power during surges and then slow down and then basically turn off and wait for another surge. Um, so it's those those surge coverage things 
that is the first problem that California talked about trying to solve. Um, if we didn't have to run the natural gas ones and we had some other kind of surge coverage, um, probably solar or wind or some of these other things that could be stored so that when we had the surge, we can then pull from the stored power and then use it that way. But the problem is the draw, even in the, in the surge capacity, is so large. And this is according to this video, so totally recommend you watch it. I think we can probably add a link to it um, in the video. And um, I can share a screen real quick so you can see it. So, you know, if you're finding the right channel, look for real yeah. engineering. Um, I noted it down. But basically, but... like this storage location, like if you just put just just battery storage and just like a solar power plant out there to be able to charge it. It's acres and acres. It's huge, yeah. just massive location that you would need to store. But that's the only way he covers it. And I thought even watching the video at the time, as I'm like putting a power storage in my own house, well, stop prime, put it all in one place. Just regulate that every home has a storage capacity of its own capable of storing some local energy support so that you don't require the surge support from other other outsides. Have the steady state like power supply from the grid capable and should you surge above your normal draw, you pull from your local storage. Yeah, so that that, that goes gets into like the decentralized thing, which yes. don't get me wrong, that'd be excellent. So I, I love decentralized fucking everything. Anything. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's the way that we should be going for everything. Um Especially for infrastructure, hmm. it should all be decentralized. New T-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> decentralized. Well, but it's also even in, in his um, limited, or in the the channel's limited, uh, not understanding, but just like thoughts on the subject. People, when people think about like how much things take up space, you talk about acres. Okay, that's a great idea. Things take up acres. At the same yeah. time, though. Um, the vast majority of the planet is fucking empty. Yeah. Like if you look at Cal just California in general, people think of California as like some big packed place. No, it's not. It's packed in the Bay Area, in Los Angeles, in San Diego. That's it. Maybe Fresno, but not really. If you want to look up space, there's thousands or even probably millions of acres in um, Southern California in the desert. You can set up, area. Yeah, you can set up large um, solar farms with um, battery uh, storage solutions for energy. Like, why aren't we doing that? But also, yeah, I love decentralized even more. <laughs> did you um? Did you ever go down to Palm Springs while you're here? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And all the wind, all the wind turbines that yeah, are down there. Yeah. But it's also there. So, there's no battery backups for those fucking things. So. No. But I mean, that would make sense, right? But so, like, on top of those, I'm sure these are fairly new. Between here and 29 Palms, so when I'm driving to work every morning, I pass four, like, massive solar panel farms. Yeah. Huge ones. Like, it has to be at least at least two acres worth of nothing but solar panels just lined up. And they're the automated ones, too, so they, like, face this way. And then as the sun goes, they, they rotate they tell, face yeah. with it. So they are maximizing their power as much as they can. Um, tons of them. And like you said, because we're here in the desert. Like, I get sun a lot, a lot more than anybody else. So that's why I'm not concerned with knowing how long I'm going to have stores there, even if, and, and so talking about food conservation and some of the basic stuff, like in emergency state, even if that thing only runs it for four hours overnight, it'll, like I said, it's insulated. It'll hold what cold it has for four hours until the sun comes up again. Yeah. And then I have power enough to back that up. I just have to be a smart consumer and be like, Hey family, turn off all the other crap, keep the freezer on, keep the fridge on 
And when we need to, we can turn on a couple lights, but keep everything else off. So well, you can also, I mean, in, today, I mean, you could automate it. Like, listen, after a certain hour, like if you get to like 10, 11 o'clock midnight, you, sh you, it automatically shuts off certain portions of your house, you know, yeah. and that's just the way it's going to be. And then you, you can serve, you know, power that way. But I think that we're so used to being gluttonous with, with power, with no, um, I mean, I'm, I'm a victim of that or, you know, perpetrator of that. I use power all the fucking time for like ridiculous purposes. I mean, I'm doing a fucking podcast <laughs> but, with, with a gigantic fucking, uh, sound system, but but if, our, our purpose is to try to help with this problem. So it's, it's totally viable. Yeah, totally yeah. good use of that electricity. Yeah. But I, I wish I, I need to get it. I need to invest into solar and get a battery backup system yes. with solar. So I wouldn't fail. Have you, seen any of the, have you seen any of the pictures of Enrique's new house? I have not. So he did you know he closed? No, no. I Yeah. Was it, so he, he moved in. Uh, we've been moving him in. We moved in a whole bunch of his stuff over the weekend uh night before last was their first full overnight mm -hmm. so he's like living nice. in the house but he's got both right now you know but his house has two sets of solar panels two completely independent systems one is entirely dedicated to heating the pool nice. like its only purpose so my brother is did. to keep water <laughs> hot and then the other one is for the house i was like that's pretty sweet that's a smart idea because it's like there's a lot of big consumption of energy there so just dedicate one to that purpose yeah so my brother did that on like one of his first homes he lives in chula vista um, but he, ha he has another home in, in Chula Vista, a different part of Chula Vista, that somebody's renting. And he, he had literally, like, he had two solar panels, like, two different solar panels, one for the pool and one for the house. And when he lived there, he had, like, the city had to pay him because he was putting so much power back into the grid. And then, like, his, his tenants, they left everything on. And so they had, like, all these bills. It's just like, what are you guys doing? Like, why do you have bills for, like, electrical company? They'll just leave everything on. I'm just like, dude, yeah. like, eventually, like, you'll hit a spot to where, like, yeah, you're going to, like, outgrow your, you know, your energy, you know, production. People don't get it because they're dumb. <laughs> and I think, like you said, it really depends on what you're doing. So right now, um, December was, like, $5. Uh, January was $9 was my electric bills. But that's paying that's a bill while, like, there's a teacher teaching in that room all day long during the week and a student in that room all day long and a student in that room all day long. So they're consuming more energy during the day than we would if we weren't here, right? Most days in a normal normal state, not here for COVID, we would all be gone all day long. Yeah, Off so, doing our thing, come back in the evening. So for folks that we don't... Have had a fully charged, fully charged power wall to power us during those couple hours. Yeah. So I mean like... And you've got an electric bike. Um, for people that don't know... <laughs> So for me, I live in the Bay Area. I paid three hundred dollars for my electrical bill last last month. Over three hundred dollars for my electrical bill last month. Yeah, yeah, and that's normal. <laughs> so. so, so yeah, so same for us here. So June, July, August, September, because we we just moved here last summer. So we got all the summer months. Those were all three hundred, four hundred dollar electric bills. Yeah. Easy in the summer here. Uh, it's a trade off. So I mean, right now because we just installed the solar. We're still paying for it, so we're paying three hundred dollars a month for solar, and then nine, five, ten, whatever dollars for electric. So we kind of traded, basically traded off our yeah. electric bill for a solar panel bill, but we'll pay that off. Yeah, at some point that's gone. Yeah, and I'm gonna, I gotta do that um, eventually. Mm -hmm. There's other shit I gotta do too, but yeah. 
But I think, but I think that kind of a, a thought process isn't going to exist amongst the people who are writing these regulations right now. So we need to, we need to have a conversation with these guys and maybe not the Texas ones. Cause I don't know that their legislators would listen to people who live in California right now. <laughs> <For one. laughs> they don't give a fuck. You know what though? Maybe they'll listen to United States Marine. Maybe I'll give them a call, but because <laughs> uh, they are pretty, pretty moto. Right. So oh, I'm going to tell you a uh, kind of a weird story. Um, <laughs> it's about a porn star. <laughs> so this is getting even weirder. So okay. I, I met a, a porn star um back when i was doing uh vr conventions from texas she lives in texas now so Mm. yes this is this is relevant to texas is why i brought it up um trying to tie it in yeah yeah, i'm trying i'm tying it in because i'm not just trying to talk about porn for no fucking reason anyway so one of my first porn uh not porn conventions um (laughs) vr conventions that i went to uh i went to like the the porn it was a vr convention and then i went to a panel for porn a VR in porn, and it was mm-hmm. by a woman named Ella Darling, who was the first VR uh, cam girl. And I went to the panel, I recorded the whole thing, and I was fascinated. I was like, "This is really interesting." And I was like, "They'd be really cool, to, like meet her and like talk to her more about like this VR shit." And I went to the bar, like the where like the nearest bar to like the the convention, and she was there. And I was like, "I'm gonna fucking talk to her." So we talked to her, and she was cool as fuck. And she moved from L.A. to Texas uh, last year. And so I, I saw all this shit happen, and I was like, fuck. She was on, the, like, one of our last celebrity uh, interviews that we had on the podcast during mm. the pandemic. And so I reached out to her. I was like, hey, you know, I, I know you just moved to the Austin area. Shit's all fucked up. Like, how can how can we help you? like do whatever and she said that she was okay and like to to like you know give money to like some general fund for you know austin but it was like one of those things where it's like i didn't even realize that this would even be like an issue for for people like just getting general like necessities and for her to like go through all that shit too and I was, it was it was so fucking weird to like that that people that a person can move to from like California or anywhere in America to where you're not guaranteed your basic necessities. Cause I think there's a, we're going to go back to social contracts. All right. If I pay X amount of money in my taxes, I expect a certain amount of service from my fucking government. Yeah. And the fact that somebody that I know, like personally more than just her, like I have actual, Friends that I know, like outside of obviously the porn industry, like I, I know Marines that that live in Texas that that Lots have issues as well. Yeah, like I think it's most Marines, right, are from Texas. Yeah, yeah, Texas and New York. Yeah, and it's just like, how the fuck are we not guaranteeing these services, these basic services to people in twenty twenty one? Like, th- like yeah, if this is back in like you know nineteen twelve, okay, I get it. Infrastructure's not built yet, but at the same time. The infrastructure from 1912, some of that shit is still there and people are still using it. <laughs> yeah. So, but I mean, imagine in 1912, like not receiving a letter given to the United States Postal Service for a delivery to get to you. Like it just didn't get to you at all. Yeah. yeah. You would not accept that because that is a good service that has been in place for 100 years and you know the mail should come and it should get delivered to where it's supposed to go because 
the United States Postal Service is good, right? That's what they've done. They've been doing it for centuries. It is good. So in yeah. 1912, you would absolutely expect to get that letter. And that, you know, that the, the railroads would have been pretty good at that point. Not, they're not great by 1912. Because I think 1904 was when they really, really started kind of taking off, started taking off. First, first engines and then so 12 yeah. probably wouldn't have been an example. 1920s, though, railroads should be working. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it, you know, once you start relying on a certain kind of technology to, to then not have it work, someone should understand that they should be held accountable for that in some way. And I yeah. think that's where regulation comes in, that you can say, this is something people expect to have. And if you're responsible for providing that, um, you have a responsibility and should be able to be held accountable. And the only way to do that is through through regulation. But I think it has to be in those categories if it's going to be government regulated. Um, and then beyond those things, those are things where if the organization intends to be successful, they're going to regulate themselves kind of thing. Um, well, okay. So this is the, when it comes to like people or organizations regulating themselves, I think that that... <sighs> That uh, sentiment and that thought process is, I don't think, it's not going to happen if somebody has to basically lay the infrastructure. to like, listen, if you're going to regulate yourselves, you need to be within like a certain confine. So, so let me let me specify. So I'm talking okay. top three levels, Maslow's hierarchy. Okay, right? gotcha, gotcha. So we're talking about Blizzard. Like okay. Blizzard is going to do it because it meets their bottom line. Yeah. Okay. We're not talking about infrastructure. We're not talking about like requirements. We're not talking about things that like people should expect to need to have, right? Roads and, and water and, and power. anything that's on that bottom levels. Those are things that we need regulations for because we need to agree as a society what it is that we're going to say is a requirement and what is the things that, you know, fall outside of that. And those things that fall outside of those things are companies that are running those things and they're going to, they're going to do it themselves because they're going to be successful at it. And I saw like, um, because food, food falls into those bottoms, right? <laughs> those are things that should be regulated. <laughs> so in the, like, they'll regulate themselves category, this, um, <laughs> I mean, like I'm in a, a Lego discord with a bunch of other people and there's like a memes channel. Somebody posted a, <laughs> and there's a lot of British dudes in there too. And Australians and a couple others from around the world. So they're like, uh, the, the, the industry will regulate itself. And it's like, food in America. And it was this, this like advertisement for a, uh, Kentucky fried chicken, uh, fiery Cheetos, like, uh, <laughs> with a Mountain Dew. I was like, yeah. Oh my God, it just looks terrible for you. Yeah. Especially like moving towards as much healthy food as I can. I'm like, Oh my God. Yeah. That's, that's how bad our stuff is. And, and like, we're just letting food just go. It's crazy. I think we should do, maybe our next one would be like, just talking about like diet and exercise. <laughs> maybe, could, maybe yeah, we'll do that because I, I can I can go deep. I know you can too because you you've been through like a similar. Well, we probably have gone off the rails as much as I have because I, I used to weigh two hundred fifty pounds. Um, but there's two ten not too much. Oh, as a marine, holy shit! Just that, like literally holidays. Really? Oh Jesus Christ! See, if I was a uh, warrant officer, maybe I could have gotten away with that too. <laughs> <laughs> I made weight. You definitely look uh, much slimmer. You look, you look a lot better. Pause, no homo. I'm just saying. From like when we first met. No, like, and, and I can see it already. Here's what I, 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 like, Cindy asked me this morning, actually. She was like, hey, have you weighed in, like, weighed yourself lately on the scale? I was like, no. Because I'm visually seeing it. 
and I don't want to fuck with myself because I, if I can physically see it and I can feel that things are going right, I don't want to look and not see the change because a lot of times with keto and like the fasting and stuff that I'm doing, the numbers might not change, yeah. but the, the shape look, is changing. Yeah. I want it to. So I'm good with it. I'm good with it. So I'm like, nope, my belt is like, I'm on the last loop. I'm going to need to get a new belt <laughs> and yeah. like pants, pants are about falling off. Like things are shaping the way I want them to. So if the weight doesn't match, I don't want to mess with me. I want to stay, stay in the right mindset. I'm doing the right things. I don't need the scale. So yeah, I will I, have to wait shortly, obviously, but I mean, we, we will, we'll, we'll go, we'll do a deeper dive into that. Yeah. Uh, on their podcast. And it'll, it'll be a fun one. I actually just started buying like new jeans. Um, I bought, um, barbell jeans. Have you heard of those before? I saw your post like these are the best jeans ever. They're yeah, the best, like, they're the best jeans crazy. ever. Like I, I don't like they're they're kind of expensive. They're over, like a hundred dollars plus, but holy fucking shit! Better than Jinkos. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The thing is, is that they they feel like jeans, and then like, but I can like bend down, and then they're just like, oh, there's like, they yeah, they flex like so well because especially like right now, um, because yeah. I have my body is kind of disproportionate it's not that bad but my lower body is like much thicker than my upper body it's like my thighs are yeah um dude i was squatting 500 pounds in afghanistan okay so yeah you get it like fighting like the right sort of jeans i was always buying fucking urban jeans you know to like fit my fat ass but now like these jeans they fit great and they're they're stretchy so yeah. I, I saw the first pair of those I saw was Logan bought a pair of American Eagle flex jeans or whatever at the mall in like Japan. He tried them on. I was like, these are really comfortable. And I was like, whatever, I'm not paying attention. I don't really buy jeans very often. I generally buy, um, like, you know, some kind of tactical pants anyways. Um, and, so, but then I realized when I folded them for the first time in the laundry, I was like, they're stretchy. These are like, they're stretchy. They're they like, flex. The these are jeans. Like, yeah. That's kind of cool. So, I think any woman listening to this are like, oh, you, you got jeggings. I'm like, but they don't look like jeggings. Yeah. I'm just saying. They're just, they're fucking stretchy. Whatever. Judge you, me if you want. You're wearing your yoga pants to the, to the, to the grocery store, aren't you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I have yoga pants, but <laughs> I don't want to grocery store. First of all, I haven't been to a grocery store in almost a year. <laughs> so, I, yeah, I Instacart everything. I was watching, you were watching The Ranch. No, I know what you're talking about, though. It's pretty good. So, yeah, at one point in it, um, like because it's um Ashton Kutcher uh, Ashton and the Kutcher, cowboy right? guy yeah so he's like he's like I'd like to, they're they're like saying grace or something at Thanksgiving right and like I'm thankful for the fact that society has convinced women to wear yoga pants to mm. the grocery store <laughs> and not only did his brother go like amen so did his dad he's like, amen. <laughs> <laughs> like yes even the old man was like yes yoga pants are they're a thing of fucking beauty I'm just saying yeah it's good it's like being in the 80s in spandex, I'm sure. Back then. So, yeah, but same, it's like, back. I think yoga we're, pants are better than spandex. They wouldn't be so bright, right? So it's like, uh, you're not. Yeah, yeah. But they definitely, I think, so spandex is, um, they're stretchy, but there was no, um, it didn't like hold things in as much as like, so yoga pants, they have like this effect of like compression. So like if, yeah. if you had like <laughs> flaws, in your body, it just smooths all that shit out. Just yeah, fucking exactly. pushes all that shit in, you know? It's fucking great. Yeah. It's like ass, it's like ass makeup. <laughs> it's like wearing a corset. Yeah. I, I, I love it. Yeah. 
Um, did I have anything else? Yeah, no. So I think that that, I mean, understanding that I think there's a line we have to draw and it's, it should be tied to And again, it's not it's current state of things in the United States, right? Is that it's a very hodgepodge mishmash of things where we say, these are things that you absolutely require as a human to survive. And, and they, some are, and some aren't like government mandated and regulated and controlled. Some things are just out there. And that's why like healthcare made sense to me. I just didn't like the way we did it. Maybe uh, I think there was a, probably a better way. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm to ensure that healthcare was taken care of for people. Yeah. So the way that the affordable healthcare act, I don't like calling it Obama, Obamacare, even though I didn't vote for Obama, I was not an Obama fan, but it's the affordable healthcare act. I think that one of the huge missteps that they did was that they, made it so that if you didn't have health insurance, that you were fined for it. And it was fined by a significant amount. Um, <laughs> I have a new tax person um, this year, and I don't have my 1099 fucking G or whatever it is for, like, the healthcare thing. I, I don't know if you have to go through this yet, but um, you have to basically, if you're a civilian, you have to get a piece of paper from the government that says that you paid... Um, for your health insurance for the whole year. And if mm -hmm. you don't, you get fined for it. I had no idea how much that fine was until I think yesterday, two days ago. It was like thousands of dollars for me. Thousands of dollars that it would have been. I think it was let like... Me go find that paper. What's up? You're like, let me go find that paper. Well, no, I, I don't have it. Like, I literally don't have it. So they're just going to put it in as, like, I have insurance because I can prove it in other ways. But I just don't have the actual form. Um, but, yeah, I think it was, like, three grand of what I, what I would have had to have paid to the government if uh, if I didn't have insurance. And I'm just, like, the point, the point of the Affordable Health Care Act was to just make sure everybody had insurance. Yeah, but I think there was a – I didn't like it because of that because I, I saw that thing in there where it's, like, you're going to find people. How the fuck do you call it Affordable Health Care Act where you're going to find somebody for not having it? If they're poor, you mandating that they have insurance is not going to make them richer? <laughs> so what is the point? Yeah. I, let me look at it. So, I mean, like, is health care... Health. So, so it's not bottom category. Right, so it's not 100% guaranteed that this absolutely has to be something that we agree to. Um, it would be one of those ones we need to talk about and find the right way to manage and do it. So that's probably why I would say it's something, but I just felt like the way we did it wasn't the way I would think would be the right way. Um, yes, definitely. So there's, there's some gray area there. Go ahead. Yeah, it's, yeah, I, I agree. There's, it's a gray area. I, I am more on the side of we should have universal health care in America now, especially given the pandemic. Um, but it's still, I'll say the same thing. It's, it's a gray area where it's like, mm -hmm. if you can't afford it, then you can't afford it. But, but at the same time, should it be guaranteed? And that's where the gray area comes in. It's like, but when you say it's guaranteed, then somebody else is paying for it. We yeah. all are. And, and I, I would, again, same thing I go back to on taxes every time. Just have it be a part of the sales tax. Yeah. Like, did you hear about the, um, what was the, there was a new thing that was going to come out recently it was a similar thing to healthcare. oh it was the uh, student loan debt issue did something new come out on it because when 
it was still he was still president elect prior to the 20th of January basically uh, I heard a proposed plan of like $500 per something something or whatever so that for for up to $1500 or $15,000. Yeah, they're still trying to figure out like the actual dollar amount to like cancel student debt, but I'm just like for me for somebody that has never gone to college, I have no aspirations for going to college. Um why am I paying for somebody's degree that they are likely not using? Hmm. So that's why that's to me why it's like what the fuck? Like seriously, like why am why am I paying my tax dollars towards these things? But it's also it's a societal thing where people feel the need to go to college. So yeah, I get that. Yeah. But at the same time, like I don't want to pay for your fucking basket weaving degree. Yeah, you know. You know what? Like this could almost be the final like bringing back around title together, rather than saying, "Hey, anybody who has college debt, we absolve you of that college debt." How about we regulate what the college costs could be so that instead of because the real issue, the real issue with college today in the United States is that it is so expensive yes. for something that is really not worth what I think people consider it to be so that the value of college has gone away, even though it's still becoming a requirement where you're like, that is a lot of money and I'm going to be paying for it forever because it's become a capitalism kind of thing instead of an education kind of thing. They've turned it into a business rather than. The goal being let's like be this really great learning this institute of learning. It's more about let's make as much money as possible. Um, so if we regulated that industry, probably would solve the problem rather than needing to just get rid of people's debt. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. And I was listening to Elon Musk talk about um, what what could get somebody fired at Tesla. And his main thing was once you stopped um, innovating and like once you were no longer interested in innovating, then he's like, you're out. But then he also talked about like college. He's like, we don't look for college degrees at, you know, at Tesla because these things, they, they're not really important. You know, and I, I wholeheartedly agree. Like to me, I mean, unless you're going to be a fucking, even a doctor, unless you need to be able to demonstrate your knowledge. I totally understand that. But you shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to pay you know tens of thousands of dollars to be able to demonstrate knowledge and take all these bullshit classes to go to college for these things like i mean i make a good amount for i think the vast majority of americans and the world i make a a, a good amount of money and i never went to college and that was my plan was to never go to fucking college cuz for me yeah. school didn't make sense and I made it work. And I think some people are probably like that, but they're they're forced to to go into the institutions to where their actual college tuitions are going towards things that they don't even necessarily agree with. If you go to like Ivy League colleges, um, a lot of money goes to like fucking sports and shit, where the yeah. the athletes aren't even getting paid. So it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> are they not getting paid? No, no, they're not. Not from not what you think. No. Yeah, there's there's maybe another discussion there. Yeah, we'll talk about another discussion. Yeah, because there's some issues with NCAA and paying players and other ways. Well, I think we're talking about maybe two different things that are on the same path. When I talk about not getting paid, um, they literally can't have like certain kinds of sponsorships. Like there are people in like the NCAA where they're in video games, they don't own their own rights to their own fucking name. 
Yeah, there's that part of it. Yeah, that's different. Yeah. And and the, so then this question becomes the same as it is on the other side. It was like, should they though make money off of that? Yes. Uh, does it provide them with the improper incentives for what it is that they're there for? Yes, because what they're there for, they're not even like really <laughs> like. Let's be real. Well, we'll put it on a different conversation. Sorry, yep. not nothing to yep. actually. It is. It should be regulated, but it's a different conversation. <laughs> so you're saying that NCAA sports should be regulated? Yes, because I, I. This is one of the reasons why I didn't go to college because I was a high school athlete that I still hold a school record. I think I, I'm pretty sure I do um, for the high school I went to, and I, I was like, I'm not going to go to college because like I, I saw the whole scheme, and I was like, no. I'd rather just maybe die for my country. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Apparently that's the decision we made, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I understood the decision. I hope you did too. Of like joining, the, especially the Marine Corps. Like, death was definitely like a possibility. So. Strategic corporal, right? Remember talking that? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that was a pretty good one. So we did manage to make it go more than 10 minutes. I was a little worried about that. Nah, dude, I'm just, it's just like the last one that we did uh, for my, my, my last one. I was just like, I don't know if marriage is going to be a big thing. And then you, you know, you definitely helped me out a lot in the last one. <laughs> I had, I had those like two or three little ideas and we made it, we made it keep connecting back to the stuff we do deal with on a regular basis. So I think that that kind of proves too, that if you have any ideas for topics that you want us to talk about, uh, we can find one or two little nuggets and then figure out how to make that connect to our life and maybe yours. So if, if uh if you're enjoying what we're doing, we really appreciate everybody coming and listening to us jabber for a couple hours. But um, we're definitely looking for some some engagement to help us come up with some ideas. If there's topics you really want to talk about, um, we're definitely interested in in digging in a little bit and learning something new, uh, learn from each other. Yes, definitely would. Um, there was some really good feedback uh, from another Marine um, that joined before I joined, uh, Devil Tank, who does the transcriptions for some of our podcasts. Um, he gave me some feedback on universal basic income. Please, um, Eric, if you're listening to this, give feedback on some other ones as well. Cause he gave really good feedback. I don't think you saw that. I actually fucking responded cause I didn't see his response for a couple of weeks cause I wasn't signed in on, on my account or on the podcast account, but please give us feedback. If, if you think that whatever we say is bullshit and you have some really good feedback, please let us know. And we can elaborate. Maybe what you're saying is more valid than what we're saying. Like, I'd love to be educated on anything. And I'm pretty sure you're the same way, right? Yeah, I mean, it'd be like it'd be like the the video I talked about that I think is a really, really great video. And he just hadn't even considered the idea of not needing this massive, you know, battery storage farm if every single house had battery storage, right? Yeah. I guarantee he was seeing the problem from a specific angle and it was a really, really great point to make. And just needed, you know, maybe someone to bring that up. And we're, I guarantee there's, there's scenarios we've talked about where I just, I just never even considered it that way. And I'll give you a personal example, which is one I've talked about already on this podcast, which is the taxation thing, right? I thought that my taxation plan was the only way that we could probably go forward with the way taxes are done because we needed to have accountability for the income tax that we were getting taken away from us. But someone explained to me before or, you know, shortly later, like, why should we have income tax at all? Why is it not like, why are we punishing people for working? Why are we taking their money away? Why aren't we just taxing their consumption and making people then maybe be more choosy about the things they spend money on? I was like, 
mind-blowing. I was like, I had, oh my gosh, I'm totally changing the way I look at this. And that can happen on any of the stuff we've talked about so far. Yeah, I, I always reserve my my thoughts um, given new information. So if I have new information, then I, I can change my opinion. And so I, I've said this since I was like in my mid-20s. If you give me some new information, that can yeah. definitely change my opinion. So especially if it's if I find it valid. So I, I, I'll reserve my right to change my opinion. Yeah, and that's why I have a hard time with the way some of our political, like, like dialogue goes where they're like oh but in 1972 you voted this one like yeah but i didn't know what i know now like why would why would that be relevant to today where i'm trying to tell you that what i voted on back then was wrong yeah i shouldn't have done that i didn't have enough information i had a skewed perspective i didn't understand the whole situation like there's a million reasons i could have chosen something different back then than i would now like people you can't yeah you can't just it would be worse if I never changed and stuck to my old ways and like only ever voted the same way. Like, but that's the way not... politicians operate. And and this is why I'll vote for you when you eventually become president. I'm just saying. <laughs> I don't know about that one, but no, I'm vote, I'm, I'm voting for you either way. I'll, I'll move to whatever. I'm not. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to move where the fuck you live. Uh, I'm definitely moving to Yucca Valley. So <laughs> I don't. I don't know about being here, but Colorado sounding good. Florida. Not Florida. Fuck that. You have hurricanes and shit. Uh, so Tampa and, doesn't really and, do and much. You think so? But there's also Floridians there. I'm just saying. Dude, my family's from Florida. Watch um, your mouth. I'm sorry. I'm not going to watch my mouth. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So like, there's a Gators hat in there. I mean, I'm not kidding about being from Florida. Oh, you're but, from Florida? All right. I have a Florida so, driver's license. Jesus Christ. All right. Well, maybe I won't vote for you then. I'm just kidding. I'll still work for you. You've obviously overcome Florida, so you got my vote. But I grew up in the Pacific Northwest, so I mean, there's that too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't have a general. It's a joke for me talking shit about Florida. But you'd have hurricanes in Appalachia. I'm just saying. So there's, there's um, oh God, we're sidebarring again. Sorry, but so there's um, this really, really cool research study I saw on hurricanes, um, Atlantic hurricanes, and Gulf Coast, right? or uh, uh, Caribbean hurricanes, right? Yeah. So over a 200-year study, they went back and showed where landfall happened for 200 years of every single hurricane, right? Comes ashore, comes ashore, comes ashore, comes ashore. Exactly where it came ashore. There's like two, the two places that not once in that 200 years along like the South Atlantic coast and along the Gulf Coast that never got hit or whatever. And one of those is, you know, where like the Jacksonville, Florida area. So it's like Florida comes in at an angle. Yeah. Florida comes in at an angle like this. And then the, the Atlantic coast goes back up and out. Yeah. It's that little notch. Wow. Like never gets hit probably because of land shapes and wind. Like never. So I was like, that's where we're moving. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> Somewhere where you just don't ever get hit by a hurricane. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up. I retract some of my statements about Florida. But also not so much. I retract my statements from like the little two areas that you're talking about. <laughs> the Jacksonville yeah, yeah. area and then maybe Tampa. There's one in the Gulf Coast too. I can't remember what it was. Anyway. Um, sharp it up because I have to use it. I think we're good. Um, we can actually probably consider ourselves closed out from earlier if we want. Or we could try to carry this with well, uh, Good. This is a great conversation. You thought it was going to be 10 minutes and we're fucking 
near two hours in. So yep, and that's what we're. I guess that's what we're going for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Great conversation, but yeah, I gotta go. <laughs> All right. All right, later.